Actually, I will say this. We've been getting more people pitching guests. Yeah. And the guests that have come in have been great. They've been great. Frederick's, Frederick's one of them. One of them. It, it's so cool that this is happening. I love and it. And I think it's like, if you're out there and you're, we're going to have to reorder this edit. This is, this shouldn't be at the very, very end. Maybe <laughs> this should be at the beginning. But yeah. I th- we have an announcement to make. We've been getting more people <laughs> suggesting guests to us. And if you listen to the show and you think someone's a great fit, actually suggest them to us. We've had multiple guests come on. They've crushed it. And you know who's going to be a good fit. So tell us. Tell it us. makes the whole thing more exciting and more interesting. So please, if you think someone's going to be a great fit for us, email us at ttlpod at wissy.com or just like contact us on LinkedIn or what have you, whoever you want. We want to hear who you think should be on the show. Hello, and welcome to Talking Too Live with Chris Savage. I am your host, Chris Savage, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Sylvie Lubau. Sylvie. Give it up. Here we are again, doing another episode. Recording back-to-back days, which has actually been a delight. We're powerful. We are a powerful team right now. Yes, there's a lot of power. There's a lot of energy. Um, we And we got a lot of energy, a lot of power from our guest today, Frederick Thomason, who is the founder and CEO of a design company called Superside. And Superside is a creative subscription service that helps businesses design at scale. So if you have big projects, you want to work with high-quality designers, you can sign up with Superside. Fun conversation. Uh, talked a lot about you know magic stress. Talked a lot about nature. Talked about mountaineering. Talked about <laughs> a lot of stuff. So we have that coming up for you very soon. Yeah. But first, what's got you talking too loud, Savage? Oh, what's got me talking too loud? Um, did we talk about movies the other day? We started to talk about Mission Impossible and my feelings on the latest installment. Were there other movies you were wanting to talk about? Did we, we didn't talk about Barbie, right? We didn't talk about Barbie. Haven't seen Barbie yet. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't seen Barbie or Oppenheimer. What? I know. Huh? What am I doing with my life? Who am I? I? I have honestly, so I saw Oppenheimer in the morning at the Providence Place Mall, one of yep. only 30 IMAXs in the world with 70 millimeter projection. Oh, boy. It was a delight, but a downer. Then I saw Barbie later that night, and it was a delight and an upper. You know, it was like, and I have been thinking to myself, like, man, it is fun to go to the movies. It is so oh fun. And I, and I wish since then, I'm just like, why can there not be another one? But give me something else, please. Let something me go e- and buy popcorn and candy and, and a, a massive vat of like, of Coke. That's all I want. It's just a great movie and all of those <laughs> well, normal popcorn ask, things. I was going to ask, do you get popcorn? Do you have to get popcorn when you're at the movies? So I, that day I got one popcorn, which seemed like enough. The nighttime. Um, Nighttime. The nighttime. Popcorn. It seemed yeah. like a little extreme. I'd had like a massive iced coffee before Oppenheimer. Ooh, and that's a Le- dangerous scoundrel. Levine was like yelling at me. He's like, You shouldn't be doing this. This is Yeah, a mistake. you really shouldn't. I you know I have to did have to get up and pee. That's you know, that's what happens. <laughs> but it was three hours. I was just like, Is this a good moment? And you know, you're sprinting down the steps and you're trying, yeah. you know. You're like, Don't um, fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Don't fall. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, yeah. but I just that feeling, there's something about the like a, this, I think it's just so satisfying. Oh yeah, to go you're talking to a, to a real movie theater dog. I know you love movie theaters. It's so satisfying when you're at a great movie Ugh. in the theater. It's hard to beat that. It really is. It's it's an incredible feeling, and the smells and the 
you know, when the like sticky stuff under your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. Step on some gum. And eating too much candy. <laughs> it is really it's just good. Sour Patch Kids like mixed with Junior Mitts just dump. I was thinking about <laughs> that is not my combo, but I okay. good for you. But I was thinking about taking myself to the movies tonight. So we'll tonight, see. tonight, Which one will you, what will you see? So Barbie and Oppenheimer, I have to see with my boyfriend. That's like a pact. Yeah. But theater camp, which is a little indie about uh, theater camp, this that looks like right very very funny. Yeah. Uh, that's high on my list. Past lives. I don't know if you've heard about that. I know what it is. I'll I'll hit you with some with a list. Oh, that would, I would list. love a list. Yeah. Send that yeah. list. We should release that list. Sylvie's Sylvie's Must summer see. movie flicks list of September 2023. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Okay, good. Great. What's got you talking to that? Oh, I feel like I, I, I mean, I, it wasn't movies, but now it's movies. You know what? It's we're going to stay on movies. So Perfect. during the pandemic, when it was like peak pandemic, mm-hmm. um, when you're getting I, COVID every week before that (laughs) this is uh we're talking like early days Mm. like going to the grocery store maybe once a week you know like Mm. putting mail in paper bags Mm -hmm. you know everyone's trying to fill their their evening time in different ways and i started doing this movie trivia on instagram and people loved it and what it was was just like i would do five rounds Five gifts, name that movie, right? Okay. And like on an Instagram live or like on stories uh, or on stories on stories, yeah. Okay. And they're they're on my Instagram, Rock Lobster, three R's at the beginning. Uh, so take a look. But I, I'm gonna bring them back because they were they were great. That you should. I never made good on my promise to award prizes. I kept saying I was like prizes, and uh, maybe it's you know, time funny. for me to. If you went back and gave prizes to those people who do won. Do you think? Because like, I, ha- I have the winners. Oh, you should absolutely do that. Do all the winners need Talking to Loud Hats that have nothing to do with Name That Movie, but everything no, to do with Talking no. to Loud? No, they need, they no. Need, they need something okay. that's with Name That Movie. They need, you know, custom... Custom Sylvie, swag. Custom Sylvie swag. It's a design query that maybe our guest can help us solve. Oh, yes. You could work with Superside. And we're fortunate we'll have Frederick, the CEO here, <laughs> to help us all learn more. So let's jump to that interview with him. Let's do it. Frederick, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited that you're here with us today. And uh, how, how are you? How's your day going? Uh, great. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Uh, yeah, day going pretty well. I've had a couple of weeks with two kids with chicken and so just sort of recovering oh, from that, trying to uh, yeah get some get some sleep I'm sorry. and get back, that sucks. get back in the game. But uh, yeah, have been better. I seem to remember when I was like a little a kid, I had chicken pox, and it was like the oatmeal bath. You know, it was like take a bunch of oatmeal and dump it in the bathtub and get in there. Are, you, are people still doing that? Um, I don't. I haven't heard. You know, we've been going around, and and that never really popped up. at um, yeah, great advice. Maybe we'll try that, uh, try that later. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great idea. <laughs> uh, well, look, as you know, this show is called Talking Too Loud. And the reason it's called Talking Too Loud is because when I get excited, 
Like when I get excited about chicken pox or anything, when I get excited, I cannot control the volume of my voice. And so we love to have people on, talk to them about the things that they get excited about, talk about things that I get excited about. And we love to start the show by hearing what has you excited? So what has you talking too loud these days? What has you really excited right now? Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's usually when I get to talk about nature uh, mm. in one way or another. I'm really excited about uh, nature. Um, you know, I live in, in Oslo. It's a tiny city. Can't even really call it a city, maybe more like a town. <laughs> but it has a fantastic forest uh, surrounding it. And I spend a great deal of my free time uh, outside. And yeah, just super excited to talk about nature and the need to you know, preserve it and uh, the need to um, restore uh, ancient forest. In Europe, there's hardly any old forest left. In Norway, which is one of the countries with the most forest, it's like 0.3% of the of the land mass is, uh, is is truly untouched forest. And oh wow, you know, in continental Europe, it's hardly hardly anything. So in America is actually much better, but. Um, in Europe, it's all you don't hear that much. No, these you don't days. hear that every day. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Yeah. I saw when I asked you that question. I did. I just want to say this for the for people who are listening and not watching. I did see a sparkle in your eye as you said <laughs> nature. I saw the sparkle go. Are yeah. you? Are you like taking your kids out hiking? Are you camping? Are you? I mean, I, I I've only been in Norway when I was a kid. I don't remember very well. But like, are you going to the fjords? Like, what are you doing out there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm trying to do. Everything and, and pardon me for not talking too loud. Uh, I have a you know two year old right behind the wall that I'm trying to to not wake, so I'm gonna do this very low voice, uh, but still very excited uh, voice. Um, everything, yeah, we're we're going uh, all around. I used to do quite a bit of mountain climbing and um, and you know just like long hikes and both winter and and, and summer in in Norway and, and elsewhere. But now with kids, it's it's harder to do, and so I've gotten really into this whole forest thing you don't have to go that far to drive 20 minutes or or something and walk around inside the the forest so yeah definitely bringing the kids uh in there and it's super easy because uh they play with anything in the forest everything is fun for them and so you can just stay out the whole the whole day the only problem with norway is the weather obviously but um aside from that it's it's great yeah, I relate to that. I feel like there's like uh, it's uh, we underestimate how much joy kids can get from the right outdoor experience. And when you were saying that, it made me think about like just the the beach, but also just like mud. And I I think when my <laughs> kids were like two and four, like we would just like take them outside, and there'd be like a muddy thing, and they're like, "This is the most fun <laughs> thing in the world." And they're just like covered and digging through sticks. I was like, I mean, I, there's not a really comfortable place for me here, but they seem so happy. Like, great, this is good. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, look, thank you for, for telling us about that. And that's awesome. And I hope everyone can get a sparkle in their eye the way that you do when you talk about nature. But I, I have a feeling you're also excited about Superside. So I would love to, I would love for you as the founder and CEO of Superside to explain what it is and what makes you different. Totally. So we're kind of uh, Amazon Prime for creative services. It's a sort of subscription that you buy and you get access to any capability under the sun um, with zero friction uh, and you just pay by the hour, whatever it costs, it deducts from your subscription. You can buy everything from presentation design and ad design up to sophisticated video production and brand and, and marketing strategy. And so really whatever you need, and it's the most flexible and easiest way to uh, increase the speed 
uh, of your design and creative teams and, and to increase the, the creative performance. So yeah, we're really excited about, uh, about that. It's uh, something we think every single company in the world should, should get. And where did the idea come from? So I worked in e-commerce at the time and originally in, in Indonesia actually I was part of building an e-commerce company in, in Indonesia. And I uh, remember working with a lot of, yeah, just really talented people there and, and, and thought, you know, it should be a magical teleport to, to make sure that these, these guys can participate in the, uh, in the global labor market. Um, because if if they could, they would make ten times as as much. And so, Superside in its inception was was really around that. And and I've my whole career been primarily working in in marketing. And and for me, it's it's kind of um, you know just become more and more obvious that uh, creative is such a huge differentiator uh, when it comes to to marketing. And it's becoming ever more important as you know the algorithms and. And so on are, are taking kind of charge of the the media buying, and you, know, you see more and more products just purely driven by amazing creative. I saw you were drinking a box of Liquid Death, which is mm-hmm. you know um, just an exceptional story of how creative is able to to drive uh, oh, it's not only marketing, but yeah. just overall kind of company performance and create almost like a new category just purely based on amazing creative, right? So that kind of shows the power uh, of of creative and. Yeah, it's just a really exciting intersection between uh, lots of different uh, fields. That's awesome. And um, I feel like what I saw, and tell me if this is right, is you got started with like a more broad uh, set of requests that you could go to Superside for, and then you focused in on design. Can you tell us about how you made that decision, if that's the case? Yeah, totally. That's uh, that's the case. I'm not sure if you've been browsing around on archive.org and, and checked out my terrible we website sources, yeah. from 2015 <laughs> or something. Um, so, I mean, I, we, I'm a very kind of um, easy guy in, in some ways. And so starting up the company, we just made a website uh, and, and said all these things that we could do. Um, and we put the chat widget from some chat company in the middle and said, yeah, just Tell us what you want. These are all the things that we can do. And we had nothing. Um, yeah. y- y- you know, and, and some startups are, you know, you spend years trying to like figure out the concept and and da, 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 and do R&D and stuff. And we were just, uh, you know, let's just put it up. And then nothing happened for like a while. But all of a sudden, some like random people just starting submitting tasks on the, <laughs> on the chat thing. And we were like, oh, let's try to, you know, do those tasks. And... Um, went to Upwork and Fiverr uh, to find people to to help us or just did the tasks ourselves. And it was everything, you know, data entry or research or design, um, anything and everything. And we didn't have any kind of credit card system or invoicing or, or <laughs> anything. And so after we had completed the task, we would just sort of send a message back and be like, uh, if you could pay us this amount, that would be amazing. And maybe half the people paid um the other half was probably just scammers or unhappy so so that was kind of the start and then yeah built on that uh, to 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 where we are today through lots of bad decisions and some good decisions and and lots of learnings um (laughs) along the way where did where do you know where those initial customers came from like you put up that broad website 
and then like and you said just people randomly started filling out the form which i i love that <laughs> description but like do you know where they were coming from or was it at like did you super do... random you know yeah. some people we knew some people presumably like came from you know just google search um some people may have had heard that uh, from friends of ours that we had started this you know we started sending out lots of spammy emails to lots of people um which was like not a very successful tactic and but just sort of like went on facebook spread it out yeah, and you're just trying some yeah. people just like stumbled upon the website and so um randomly we we got in touch with some like british solar cell installation company that got us to sit on google maps and map the size of roofs in the uk to determine whether they were fit for solar uh, rooftop solar installation you know just super super um <laughs> random crazy. and learned a lot from from just doing all these things ourselves and learned kind of that the freelancer marketplaces like upwork and fiverr and 99 designs in many ways were fundamentally broken and back in 2015, everyone kind of thought online work is going to be hundreds of billions of dollars, people working online. Everyone thought these these platforms would be um, be the future, but um, we just felt that the quality wasn't uh, what it needed to be. And, and we wanted to build um, something that um, was both better for the freelancers themselves, who were all kind of complaining about the platforms, and better for um, the customers. And so in a way, we built kind of a company that is in in the middle between uh, a freelancer marketplace and a traditional agency, and we're calling it Creative as a Service. And there's now, I don't know, fifty or a hundred companies in in this emerging category. And and I think it's yeah, I just think it's a really nice model, much better for customers and freelancers alike. I mean, it, the, the vision of it makes a lot of sense, and you instantly get it. And I I'm I'm very interested because I have a bunch of friends who run agencies. And one of the common questions and concerns is how do you scale keeping things high quality? Like how do you, it's, it's, and it's hard even when everyone works for you full time. So like, is there a secret sauce or can you not tell us like, like how, how are you actually keeping the quality high as you connect these people together? I think that it is really hard. Um, and I don't think there is a secret sauce and I think it being hard is uh, what we're trying to solve and that's why it's valuable yeah. for customers and that's why it takes a lot of of hard work and um, having solved a lot of those problems and, and we still have lots of problems left to solve but us having solved a lot of those problems and scaled to the size that we are today is is in a way our moat uh, or, or defensibility oh, yeah. um, and, and very often People think about defensibility and it's always like network externalities or, you know, virality or, or these things. But sometimes it, it's defensible just to do something that is very That's hard. And, and, and quite yeah. a few agencies are, are really able to scale past, um, you know, five, ten million dollar uh, annual recurring revenue type uh, scale. And so there's some there's some good reasons for that. We've... Um, We've had all of those challenges and solved some of them, and, and, and there are definitely many more left to, to solve. I'm going to get specific here, but you feel free to not answer this if you don't want. But so if I, if I let's say I bid something out. So we're going to do some big event here at Wistia, and we have a lot of other stuff going on. We're like, okay, we need design help, and we need it to be really high quality, and we need it to match our brand. And we go to you all, and we're like, we bid a project, and we say, hey, 
this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to look like. Walk me through what happens. Do we put the budget up front or do you tell us the budget? You know, like like how flexible are the timelines? Like, I, this, I guess what I'm trying to say is the specifics really matter here. And I would love to hear how that, that works. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're not really doing the agency model where we do pitch work and bid on a specific project and all those things. Um, we feel that that's in a way inefficient and we understand why it's interesting and useful, but um, we're trying to keep prices low and we're trying to keep utilization high and we're trying to be efficient. And so what we're doing is we're saying that the way to interact with us here at, at Superside is through a subscription model. Um, you buy a monthly subscription anywhere from $3,000 a month to you know tens of thousands of dollars per, per month if you're a large larger enterprise customer and you get a certain number of hours included. And then it's just up to you to okay. um, make the most of, of that. And and we're obviously trying to, to help, but um, we we are placing some burden on the customer in, in terms yeah. of creating high quality briefs for what you want. Got it. So like we get in there, Wizard starts paying $5,000 a month. We have briefs that we're sending out to the creatives on, let's say, a monthly basis. And there's different people that are pitching on like, hey, pick me to do the brief kind of a deal. And then we select those people and then they do it. And if we and if they're great, we keep working with them. Is that the idea? So as part of the onboarding, we build you a dedicated team for the ah, key okay. capabilities that okay. you've said that you need. So you get a creative project manager, you get a creative lead, you get um, one or two uh, or maybe three designers for the specific capabilities that you need. Let's say you're super focused on advertising design, then you know we get you some ad designers. But Got it. then if you need other types of capabilities, we just loop loop those in and um and work uh, with you guys. Um, oh, that's time. interesting. That's cool. That's great. And that does seem different. That's why that's why I'm trying to get specific here. It feels like a it's a different model and the customer is taking some risk, but in return, I mean even having dedicated resources is not a thing you always get. Totally. Yeah, I mean it's um it's I think very useful um for many customers to have um a dedicated team in combination with the flexibility to to scale up and down and and in a way that's been one of our most important challenges to uh, ensure that there is super fluid global staffing of of talent and ensure that projects get started within a few hours and, and completed um, in the fastest possible way. And I think what we really excel at is, is, is speed. I think almost no other company in, in this category or among agencies can, can really beat us on, on, on speed. And I think that's something that many people are frustrated with, uh, with their agencies about. It takes a long time to get started. It takes a long time to complete projects. And a lot of time is being spent on internal meetings and discussing back and forth and and so we're we're quite good at, at executing and, and moving very uh, very quickly very cool that's awesome um tell me about the company so like are you in person are you remote where is everybody how does it work yeah so we're fully remote and we've been since the start and and um, for a long while everyone was like that's super weird and um and i'm not sure if you can even remember but but pre-COVID, everyone was was super skeptical about yeah. um, about remote, and, and it was a hard time for us co- convincing uh, companies to um, to become customers. But but after COVID, it's been 
it's been completely legitimized and and so we're uh today around 700 people in um 65 different countries i think uh really all over the world um i think uh, the largest bulk of people are in latin america so brazil and and argentina and colombia um top three countries there and our largest standalone country is South Africa. Um, and then in addition, we have a ton of people in Southern and, uh, and Western Europe. Not a lot of people in the US. Some people, uh, some people in the US and, and a few in, in Canada, but, but really, yeah, all over, all over the world. That's amazing. And the 700 people includes like all of the creatives and any, like everybody who works for you. Is that right? Uh, yes, exactly. Got it. And then, so when you're putting together teams, like, are you, are you thinking about building a culture for all the freelancers too? And like the full-time folks, like, how do you do differentiate? Like, how do you think about that? How do you think about culture? How do you think about communications? How do you think about like operations across that scale? That's a lot of human beings to be coordinating, get them aligned, figure out the ways of making decisions in a super side way. Like, tell me about that. Absolutely. So now uh, today we've moved from a freelancer model that we started out with towards a model where almost everyone are are full time, but still kind of relatively flexible. So can sort of scale up and down uh, how much you work if you are a uh, a creative and and really sort of like control your own um, time still. But everyone works somewhere between seventy to uh, you know, 150% um, if you want to make more money in one month. So, so that's kind of the model, the model there. Um, in terms of culture, we're treating everyone the same and everyone's part of the same Slack and everyone's part of the same company, irrespective of whether you're an, an engineer or a customer-facing uh, designer or a creative strategist or, or whatever it, um, it might be. Um, how we think about culture, I mean, it's... Um, the most important thing uh, for us, and it's reflected in everything that we're we're doing um, over time. Uh, or I remember kind of starting out Superside. I I always thought you know values and vision and, and mission was it's like very Americanized uh, BS thing. But <laughs> as I've grown uh, and learned uh, the hard way through actual experience, I've gradually become incredibly convinced that um, values is the most important thing and when we're hiring um, values is the, is the thing that we're, we're placing the most um, importance on more so than experience more than competency or um, or anything else really and um, yeah I just found it to be the only really real way to enforce culture over time to treat it as the uh, as the centerpiece of of the recruiting process, and also to uh, make it um, an integral part of performance management. So, when we do our semi-annual reviews, then, then values is uh, kind of half of of that piece, and and it's really the primary reason for any terminations that we're doing of people is uh, if there are issues with with um, with values the way we we see it. That's so cool. That's amazing. Um, it's funny, and you talk about it being this like U.S. thing, the like <laughs> values and mission. And I remember we're like four or five years in when things were really starting to connect. We we're still really small. We we're like ten people, and my co-founder Brent and I were like, "There's something about the fact that we're still doing this, and this is actually fun. 
and that like there's something unique here and we're like i think this is is this our culture is this what culture is <laughs> and we started talking about it and i remember we had an all company meeting you know i was like we're gonna show you this slide deck that we made like an hour earlier <laughs> it's like hey everyone come to the kitchen let's look at this and we're like we need to talk about values and we need to define our values and we have some ideas but we need your help and i'll never forget this uh designer on the team she was like um what is this big company stuff we're doing? Like, what is this? This is like, why, why do you have us doing this right now? And um, I look back on it because it was like, if anything, like investing in that more even earlier would have helped us. And I think it's like so funny because it feels so soft, but it is actually like the core thing eventually. It's just like, can you solve problems and can you make decisions in a way that's aligned with the company and what makes sense? And actually that's hard because there's so many details you got to get right and nuances you have to get right to actually scale that feeling and scale that experience as you grow. So, I mean, it's just funny to hear you say that because it just it really brings that back, that feeling of, is this BS? Absolutely. You know? Or is, no, it's not actually. <laughs> So what is, uh, is so it can be BS. Obviously, lots of companies have BS values. So I think that's the problem, right? But it can also be very powerful if you do it right. So what's your values, or what's your oh. number one value? Maybe instead of we don't have to run through. Yeah, we have. Um, we have. Oh, you know, I, I feel like I want to show you our values. Can I do this, Sylvie? Show those values. Because I'll share the screen, and then they'll just be in the recording. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite way to show it. So. We think of our values as the way to make decisions at Wistia. This is what we use internally. It's also on the website. Um, and the first one is center the customer. And so we strive to understand and meet our customers' needs by prioritizing what's best for them and providing authentic, exceptional experiences. And so when you're making decisions, take the customer into account. Think about the customer. Put the customer first is the idea. The next one is keep it simple. Um, to find simple solutions that are clear and easy to understand. We focus on the core of the problems we're trying to solve. So this is like basically from hard won lessons of trying to make things too complex. Like I, I feel like a lot of times, I don't know if you've had the same experience, you come up with a solution that's really complex and you feel really smart. And then it's so like taxing to continue to manage this complex solution or communicate to other people that we'd prefer to make a simpler decision because that's going to be easier to maintain, easier for people to understand, better for customers, better to the team than a more complex one. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, for sure. We have something um, similar. I, I like it, but it's very, uh, it's very hard to implement this, keep it simple. It is hard. It's like, that's why it's a value. It's actually hard to do. Um, the next one for us is stay nimble. And so we take action even when things are ambiguous. We pivot fast we find a better approach to new information. So this idea is we're constantly learning. We need you to stay nimble as we're in markets that are changing a lot. Our product is changing a lot. The competitive landscape is changing a lot. We can't get too married to any one solution. We need to, we need to be able to change, um, take ownership. So when we encounter a challenge, we figure out a way forward to resolve it together. This is like, we need you to think like an owner in the business. And the last one is focus on outcomes. So we stay super focused on the end goal. That means we're open to changing our paths and processes to get results. And so that's for us Amazing. what's worked. Yeah. My, my lesson is like, as we've done this more and more and more, people have adopted it more and more. And then ultimately what we don't hear is like, Hey, how do you do this in a Wistia way? 
Like, hopefully, if you have a tough decision, you can use these values to uh, figure it out. Sorry, I went off such a tangent on this. I really wanted to go on this. But as you can see, I got too excited. So sorry for, yeah, sorry talking, for giving you my talk, full value presentation. Um, yeah. No, no, no. That was great. Super interesting. I love to hear about other companies' uh, values. I feel like a lot of startups are doing it uh, right. And a lot of big companies are, are doing it wrong. And I think that's part of the reasons why startups are um, are, are are growing and, and winning and and the big companies are just kind of creating these demoralizing cultures because it's, they're not taking it seriously, seriously yeah. enough. So I love that. Yeah, I think in big companies too, like you can end up with the situation of people getting too political. Like it's more about how do you use your political status to move through the organization and like how do we actually drive success? And so the wrong things can get rewarded. And uh, that's when you see companies that are like, their values are the most basic things in the world. They're like, we look for honesty and integrity. It's like, uh oh, if if that's the only <laughs> thing you're looking for, you got a problem. Like, you know, yeah. if, it's like you, you should be able to hire honest and, and, and people who have integrity. And if and if that's if you're saying if that has to be your value, you must have a number of people who are not very honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are Supersides values? Yeah. Um. Yeah, we have. Um, I think five values too. Not sure if you had five or, or, or six, but you have five. Um, so number one is um, be kind, uh, which we think should be the number one value of uh, every company, but um, unfortunately, it's, it's not. Um, I grew up in a, uh, with parents where there wasn't a lot of r rules and, and regulations, and um, I always thought that it was really strange why countries and companies would have all of these rules and, and my parents really only enforced this rule of, of being kind. And um, I always thought that was such an amazing, uh, amazing value. And we've, we've had it in the company and I think it's really, you know, become a huge part of who we are. And everyone says after their onboarding, that's which, yeah, well, it's remarkable how, how nice everyone is here. And, I think for for me in the eight years or so I've been at Superside, I can only remember maybe once or twice where I have where I've really had a, an actual fight with people. Um, I just really dislike fighting, and and it seems completely unnecessary to me. And then everyone's like, ah, but then you, you, you know, are you just all like consensus and harmony and blah blah blah? And um, and that's why also we have our our second value, which is to seek the truth. And I think um, being kind really ties uh, into that uh, very nicely because psychological safety, I think, is very important for people to uh, dare to challenge the, the status quo and to um, dare to challenge authority and so on. So, uh, so that's our second value. The third value is uh, called speed is safety, which is sort of a mountain climbing uh, tagline uh, which is because when you're out and you're trying to climb a mountain and it's very tempting to make sure everything is like super secure and the ropes and you check everything but most of the injuries in the mountains actually happens because people aren't making it to the top fast enough and so they kind of just get stuck in the middle um, mm. uh, or get hit by a stone or, or, or something but you know there can always be bad weather can come or you know the sun goes down and then um, and and that's kind of a metaphor, obviously, for mm. changing conditions in in the industry. And um, 
and 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 the need to just kind of continuously move forward and it's just better to make a decision and go for it and then then to stand um than to stand still um the fourth one is uh, decide uh, locally which um uh, we think is uh, a super important uh, value it's partly also a um norwegian uh, value where we all grew up being farmers and fishermen in in small villages along the town and uh, hated the Danish king that came and tried to collect uh, taxes and we all just wanted to decide uh, locally. So yeah, we're trying to just let people be autonomous and uh, and run with their own thing. It's it's not always uh, easy, but we're trying to commit um, yeah, to that. And then finally, it's a value that's called uh, roll up your, your sleeves. Uh, I think very similar to what you said uh, you know, around taking ownership, but mm-hmm. um, even more um, kind of trying to applaud the people that are doing the dishes, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you go to a trip, cabin trip with with some friends or or something, and there's always, you know, there's always one guy that makes the steak, um, and that's it. He just doesn't do the dishes, and uh, he doesn't make the salad, and um, he just <laughs> makes the steak. And um, and and we're trying to just like um, applaud. Um, Taking the dishes and not making a big deal out of that, you know, it's uh, it's not that annoying to do the dishes, and everyone needs to do it once Especially in a while. Especially everyone and... does it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you have that culture where everyone just like contributes after dinner, puts everything into the dishwasher and cleans up, it takes five minutes, and everything's everything's done. And so you get that culture in the company, and it just becomes really nice for for everyone when everyone answers their email on time and. Does their all their boring things is is done on on time? And it's, it's hard for it's hard for me. It's hard for everyone because it's it means that you just have to do all of those boring tasks. But at the end of the day, like a, a job is a job, and you get paid because it's a job. And you know there are some boring tasks involved in running a company. So um, that's life. And and uh, yeah, people seem to <laughs> appreciate that uh, that value. I love that. I'm laughing. I think this <laughs> is like. A job, it's a job. So you do it. And there's things that you don't want to do, and you do them. And you just try to get them. And that seems like speed of safety is helpful, too, on that. The faster you get through this, the better off you are. Um, totally. Do you, do you use mountaineering? Um, like, is that your base of, like, analogies in the business when you're explaining things? Mountain climbing? What do you call yeah. it? What do you, yeah, what do you... everything. Yeah, I mean, in Norway, you have to do all, all of the above um, to get some <laughs> value out of it. It's, I mean, the whole country is just, like, rock um, no, uh, totally. Yeah, I think there's uh, lots of metaphor. I think for me personally, mountain climbing and and mountaineering is um, is also very useful because um, you get to very vividly experience fear and anxiety, and um, it's an emotion that um, you also very frequently encounter in startup uh, life, mm-hmm. especially as a mm-hmm. founder. And um, I used to be kind of just like, uh, ignore it. And But in mountain climbing, it's just usually much better to stop and, and pause and breathe and, and take control over yeah. over the fear. And so for me personally, um, that's been just very, very useful to to observe uh, how I'm feeling to, to a greater um, extent. And then um, nature in general is... Is very very 
uh, useful to me in, in in many ways, but it's also um, something that is very uh, common across all the people in in our company, and um, it's something that we can all share. Um, I think partly because we're building a remote company to you know just reduce the need to fly around the world and uh, reduce the need to have office buildings and 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 all those um, things. But it's also so much beautiful nature in so many different countries and and many of the people in superside are are really good at taking advantage of uh, of that so i think it's uh i think some of the analogies work well that's great yeah it's funny because we we had a moment where we were talking about mountaineering a lot at wistia too for how we operate and it's because i met this guy um ed visters who is this like He's a U.S. climber. He climbed all 14 of the world's 8,000-meter peaks without supplemental oxygen. Wow. And he's a super inspiring guy and wrote a book about all this. And his thing was that the top is halfway. And as you were talking about your analogies, it's very – there's something about the power of that, of, like, having the right story to to rally people and build a culture. And, like, the top is halfway for us for a while. was, like, a big deal. It's like, hey, you want to get this feature done or you want to build this thing. But once it's released, that's actually when it, that's, we're now at the top. So you have to save energy because we have to get back down uh, mm. and they, we have to market this thing. We have to support this thing. We have to sell this thing. And like, if we're not planning for the second half, then we're going to be in trouble. And he talked mm. about a similar thing in terms of like the people who always run into trouble on Everest are the people who like, because uh, he's climbed Everest a bunch of times and been like a guide for folks and stuff is the people who are like, they don't save anything. So they get to the top with no energy left, basically. Mm. And he has some story, I'm gonna forget the specifics, but he was within like 90 meters of the top and he turned around Mm. because he just felt like there wasn't enough time left in the day. Um, The conditions were getting bad. He could see the closest, how close it was, but he felt that it was just still gonna be too dangerous. And that was one of the years that like, there was like a, a huge number of people who um, got like destroyed by a storm in Everest, a bunch of people died. And mm. so it was kind of this crazy thing. But I, I also think it's it's just the, the power of that story of you talking about the speed of safety and also managing your fear and anxiety. I can picture it. Like I can picture you say, it's like on the mountain in a brief moment, catching a breath. And it's like, should we keep going or not? Or like, is this actually like, what's in our control or what isn't in our control, which I just wrote like a, a long thing about this the other day on LinkedIn, actually, because I get that question a lot about how you manage, how do you manage stress? And it sounds like that's one of the ways you do it is you like anchor back to your mountaineering experience. And it's just, it's just cool for me how those things like are fitting together. So how do you manage uh, stress? It's uh, I think one of the most important, I think that I'm quite good at it. I think it's one of the things that I'm quite good at compared to many other people and there's lots of things that I'm not so so good at but it's something that I've reflected a lot on and and I'm just very interested um, in and I think for, for many people not being able to handle stress very well is like massively inhibiting yes. them from realizing their uh, potential and so I think it's just such an important um, topic and so um, and I have lots to learn um, uh, s- still um, so we'd be curious to, to hear what's, what you wrote and, and what's your perspective. Yeah, I can give you the short version. And I'm also interested to hear what you are, how you do this. Um, I mean, for me, it's a combination of a few different things. I found meditation at one point 
and it was like, I wrote about this in the post, but I was on vacation. I shouldn't have been checking my email for work. Um, I checked my email. I got bad news. It was like, I was in Greece. It was probably like midnight and I just couldn't go to sleep. And my mind was like racing, just like could not stop thinking about the problems. Like, what can I do to solve the problem? What should I do to solve the problem? Like, how do I solve this problem? Like just worrying, worrying, worrying. And then it occurred to me, I was like, hmm, I've heard that meditation can help with this. Like, I don't really believe in it. It seems like BS, but like, maybe I should try. And I like downloaded an app and I did like a 10 minute meditation. And, you know, part of it is you're counting your breaths in and out. So it's like one, two, three, four, like you're doing this. And as I was doing it, I couldn't get past like four or five. Like by the time I would get to four or five, like my brain would, would race back to the stressful thing at work. And then eventually I, in that first 10 minute period of doing this, right near the last second, I realized I had counted to 10 mm. and then I counted to 10 again and I took a breath and suddenly the realization came to me of like, oh, this problem existed before I read the email. It's going to exist after I read the email. There's nothing I can do about this right now. It's like in the moment, it like got me in the moment and I just went to sleep. And since that day, I, I when I realized I could actually manage some of my stressful thoughts by just realizing that they are just thoughts. They're not me. Mm. That was like a huge unlock. And so that sent me down a whole course of like doing meditation every day. I did like 500 days in a row and I have a much easier time now if I need to call that up, like I can call it up. Um, I do hard workouts every day. And for me, like, and there's a lot of research on this stress, emotional stress is like your ability to handle it is also correlated to your ability to handle physical stress. Mm. So if you can mm. handle a lot of physical stress, you can handle more emotional stress. And there's this great book uh, called The Art of Learning by this guy, Josh Waitkin, who is the- Waitkin, yeah. Yeah, you know him. The chess, you know, the chess master who's like searching for Bobby Fisher's about him. But he'd be under so much emotional stress, his heart rate's up. Um, you know, he dropped like seven pounds, like during like one of those tournaments, which is like a common thing now for chess players. And the way he was able to increase his ability to handle the emotional stress was actually to increase his ability to handle physical stress beforehand. And this mm. has now become like a common thing. So if you have a very stressful job, it turns out if you work out a lot and you lift heavy things or you push yourself in runs or whatever the thing is for you, you know, if you keep run, if you do a lot of runs, they get easier. And that's your body being able to handle more stress. And so that actually connects to the emotional stress as well. Um, so, and there's some other stuff that I like to talk about in the post, but that's, those are some of the anchors for me that I think about a lot that make it much easier for me to handle stress. But what about you? Mm -hmm. what, what kinds of things do you do? I think those are, are, are great. I think just having some method is, is, is useful for, for everyone. For me, I, um, I think got started with, with all this, all these things uh, after the military, when uh, mm. it's a you know it's a draft in Norway, I wasn't like particularly excited to go, but you kind of um, have to, and went around like on these practice things like shooting without, uh, and and so I got um, tinnitus from from that. Mm. It's not like a terrible thing, but after after the army, then um, I got in touch with some like uh, or the army put me on some program where there's some like. Uh, physiotherapist or, or or someone that um, just gives you all these like techniques which is basically um, close to meditation and stretching and, and these things and um and for me it was just super instantly useful and I was 19 and, and this is now oh god 16 
years ago almost. And so I've been doing some some things like that on and off um, for for 16 years. Not necessarily meditation, but uh, I didn't have this like tinnitus thing as kind of a canary in the in the coal mine. Um, when it starts to uh, beep more, I I have to you know slow down a, a little bit and uh, or and do some of these techniques. Mm. And so um, it sort of stops me from then pushing into this like bad territory where sometimes I see people go where you're just like constantly checking your phone, like completely yeah. manic, like refreshing, da, 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 like answering emails. And uh, I just cannot go into that um, that territory. So that's the one thing that I do. And then um, the second thing is kind of um, what I believe more and more. And I think what a lot of people are forgetting amid all of this like meditation stuff is is the power of just rationally thinking about stuff. And so as an example with uh, with relation to this sleep uh, sleeping thing and um is at least for me and uh, there's this uh, poem in Hovamol which is um, the old um, viking wisdom poems from like the 12th century um and I just love the old stuff it's so, so strange and weird and they were all just chopping each other's heads off and stuff but I mean all of that like violence there's some like beautiful yeah. quotes and, and wisdom and I'm not going to be able to translate from English but there's this one two line poem that just says foolish is the one who lies awake in the night thinking about their problems uh, unable to um, you know have energy for the next day to, to actually solve those problems and, and it's something that I think about every time I'm not able to sleep I just think ah you're being just so stupid you know this is so foolish uh, the Vikings knew it you know yeah. your mom knew it everyone knows it like um, so and then I just yeah okay fine so you just I, will I just, yourself back to sleep yeah I'm I'm, in, I'm very much a believer in the power of like rational uh, mm. thinking like sitting down like you can close your eyes and meditate and think about your your breath and stuff I think that's totally great and that's like one technique but I think it's important to have a multitude of of techniques in your in your in your toolbox and i think just sitting down and trying to actually think is something that a lot of people have forgotten how to do myself included i remember the other day i read through my high school uh, writing exams and i was expecting to find this incredibly stupid and dull uh, texts because i was like 18 at the time but i was like wow this is actually much better than I had expected, and and I think it's potentially like the last time I sat down for for three hours or four hours or however long it it lasted to to fully concentrate without a phone on my side and and like really write something that I thought was was compelling and um and ever since I've just been writing emails and Slack messages um <laughs> that you know are just terrible writing and my writing now is is terrible and. If my writing is terrible, then probably my thinking is is terrible too. And I think a lot of people have kind of lost that ability to sit for a prolonged period of time. Um, and you kind of need to go through that. But it's so painful, right? You need to go through that initial 30 minutes of boredom. Um, yeah. And it's very annoying to go through um, kind of the, the force of, of boredom. But when you emerge on the other side, um, it's actually pretty nice and pretty cool and you can you can think and and you will be kind of amazed at the clarity of your own 
um, thinking. So, so I like to try to do that. Supposedly Einstein sat for like eight hours nonstop without writing, just like thinking about these physics problems inside his his head. So maybe that art is is completely lost for us, for humans. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's completely lost, but I 100% agree with you. It's actually the other thing I talked about in the post was like, not exactly that, but basically that we forget that thinking is work. Mm. And like in the early days, you basically have nothing but time. So you're exactly what you're talking about is like, you're like, oh, what should I do now? I don't know. You're just like thinking and doing. And then things get busy and like we have a cultureness of like rewarding busyness. And I think, especially in the US, and I feel like breaking through that and say, actually not being busy is what you want, because that's also, that's how you can manage that stuff. And that's where you can get your breakthroughs. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I hate being busy myself, both like in the weekends or in the weekdays. I just hate the feeling of being busy. You got to chill. You love to chill outside (laughs) in the nature. That's what you love to do. Exactly. I can tell. Exactly. um, Especially with two little kids who are you really need to chill. Um, Okay. So, Frederick, I have one last segment I want to get into, which is the rapid fire segment. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Um, Try to go for like one word or one sentence answers. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. First question. What is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Um, yeah, that's a great um, question. I remember actually someone gave me the advice um, when I asked him for advice about raising kids. And he said, um, don't listen to any advice. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was great. And I was like, hmm, uh, yeah, I'll just figure it out. Um, and, you know, we're reading and we're, you know, we're taking advice. But generally, it is nice to try to figure it out for, for yourself and find your own love path. That. I love that. Okay. If you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? I think for me, I would love to trade places with someone who is... Um, in the middle of a polar expedition to Antarctica, <laughs> it seems such a hassle to like prepare all the stuff and you know get all the logistics in in place. But presumably, really beautiful um, when you're right in the middle there. And I'm sure I could do one day, uh, especially if I could choose a relatively sunny and nice, nice. Day. I love that. So like, I don't want to do the prep. I don't want to find the stuff. I just want to be there. In the moment when it's beautiful, then I'm out. I love that. Okay. Um, what's one superpower you have? Um, yeah, I think it's going to come back to this stress tolerance uh, thing in addition to the stuff that, and techniques that we've spoken about. I think that I am also naturally inclined to not stress out so much about uh, things. I was, um, yeah, just... Uh, uh, raised that way, I suppose. And so I, I guess I'm, uh, my brain has uh, adapted to uh, handle <laughs> those things reasonably well. That's amazing. Um, what's one superpower you want to have? Um, yeah. That's, a, that's another a great question. And it can't be like flying and... Whatever and, you want. Whatever you, you want. Yeah. Whatever you want. I think that it would be great to um to yeah, it would be great to see into the into the future. Um I think it would be amazing to be able to um 
yeah use that to to help uh, people and try to make the world um, a better place um it's um yeah it's a uh, it's an interesting world i mean i wasn't like that worried about the world but increasingly i i am and so um being able to look into into the future will would be would be possibly quite useful well i i love that i hope that superside's future is bright and your family's future is bright um thank you so much for coming on the show where can people connect with you and superside to learn more um yeah i mean uh, if you're a qualified buyer persona um uh, with a budget <laughs> then you can send an email to frederick at uh, superside.com um and if you are not then you can just go to the to the website um at superside.com and check us out i love that all right thank you so much for coming on the show likewise great to be here thanks a lot for for having me You really are delighted. You're, de- I'm a you're, fan. you're, you're very delighted over here. I'm a fan of Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he started talking about Viking poems, he's oh, like, that amidst was... all the killing. <laughs> when we hit the when we hit the Viking poems, I was like, yes, this is it. This is what I thought we were going to get him recited, and I was I was ready for it. I was I was ready for it. I love a Viking poem. Yeah. I love like tried and true advice, like advice that has existed for a long time and it still makes sense today. Yeah. Is always like so awesome, you yeah. know? And uh, yeah. Never that gets was, old. Never gets old. That was great. Um, and it's just like interesting to talk to somebody who, you know, he's almost like so soft spoken and like casual about the business he's built, but obviously he's done a very hard thing and scaled it a ton and has huge opportunity in front of him. And uh, yeah, I think it's fun to talk to somebody who is just kind of so, I'm not gonna say casual, but just like calm, yeah, calm. about this process. Cause it is, it's just, I guess this is what I'll say. We talked to so many different entrepreneurs on the show and like people's styles and vibes are so different. But what you can see is you can have many different styles and vibes and you can make something successful. And I feel like that's like, it's very that's, true. It, that's like really inspirational. And like, he's a great example of that. That's totally true. I think that's a great observation that, yeah, people come in different packages and some, some have that like kind of nonstop energy and some have this sort of like measured way and like very rational way of like talking through things and like, yeah, you get great products either way. And Superside, you know, when I was first like learning about it, it seemed a little bit like Fiverr and like Upwork. But I mean, the differences are are pretty significant in that like it's a subscription service and then you get a dedicated team. Like I think that was really interesting. And I guess the other thing is some of some of these interviews feel like old friends, right? And then some, when you don't know the guest, feel like, first friend dates and mm. like this was a super fun first friend date yeah i like that way of putting it too that was cool yeah. and yeah there was a lot of stuff about their model that jumped out to me and got me excited about what they're doing and um yeah i hope that like i hope that people like give it a shot and like let us know what you think um but uh and i think my favorite part was <laughs> at the end to it's like how can people learn more he's like well if you are a qualified prospect <laughs> please email me that was just like That's unabashed beautiful. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. 
no, don't follow my newsletter on this thing and then hope nope, that he nope, doesn't. Just nope. come on and email me direct. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Um, and speaking of that, you know, you can always email us direct too. Let's be clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just email the lines us. of communication. The channels are open. Keep it open. You can email us at ttlpod at wisdom.com. We're also both on x.com and also on LinkedIn, where we spend a lot of time these days. And just don't hesitate to reach out. Like, and Instagram. Actually, I, Let's not forget oh, about Instra- Instagram. Yeah, every major social platform. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to it. Helps get the word out there. It helps us get better guests. It helps us make this show more interesting. And I think, is that it, Sylvie? That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. All right, until next time. See ya. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.